Let's pray before we get started. (laughs) Father, we are grateful for this morning, an opportunity that we have to hear from you and that we give to you to speak to us. Lord, as we are here this morning, we ask that you would meet the needs that are here. Father, I lift up Val's mom who is in the hospital, that you would be with her and help her to fully recover. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness and even in the needs that are here that I am unaware of, Lord, uh, we know that you are aware of them. And we pray that you would hear the cries of our hearts, Father, for these people, the ones that we love, for our children, for our friends. Lord, intervene and have your way with us and with them, we ask in Jesus' name, amen. I want to encourage you again tonight as our love feast. It is a time where if you have in your bulletin a little uh, prayer request, even if you don't make it tonight, if you want to write whatever that request is, we will pray for those things tonight. If you want to join us as we pray for these things, again, it'd be great to have you there with us uh, at this time. And so those are some things that are there. I also want to let you know that we have some cards now. We've had them actually for a while. They just have our information, our website, as well as the time we meet here at the school. If you want to take those, uh, they're welcome. you're welcome to those to have them. Uh, okay, we're continuing. Today is part six, and it's actually the fifth uh, of the core values. The first one was the introduction, and then we've gone over the five core values of who we are as a community. If you were not here for all of them, we are going to make them available on a single CD. We're going to put an MP3 together of all the teachings so that they will be available for you if you would like to get those. And just in quick review, talking about some of the things that we've covered. The first one, we gave a metaphor of wind and commission. Mission is why the church exists. Jesus sent his disciples out. He told them, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in my name and teaching them to do whatever things I have told you. So it is our commission as well. It is what we are about. We are a people who have been sent. We also talked about water or community. Love is the context of all missions, that God is love. And the best way for this attribute of who he is to be expressed is going to be through his people in community. That is why we gather. That is why we are here as a a group of people meeting together. We are the opportunity to God express his love as we do it through each of us and to each other. The third was wood or connection. This has to do with service. Structure must always submit to spirit. God does not dwell in programs. He does not dwell in buildings. He does not dwell in anything except people. And so structure must always submit to the work that God is doing through his people. We always want to be flexible and aware of that so that we do not become rigid, that our community is going to change as the people in the community change. If there are a lot of people gifted in accordion playing, we're still going to play guitar. Just wanted to keep you... Use an accordion, go to jail. That's my motto. Uh, You have to understand, I grew up, my cousin learned accordion. And we went into a, a classroom where there were 30 kids about 10 years old that all played the accordion together. 
it's seared in my brain. I'm still recovering from that. But anyway, the, the reality is the community is shaped by the people in the community. We don't determine what the community is going to be and push the agenda ahead. We are moved as God moves in the people who are part of that community. And last week we talked about fire or communion and that relevance to culture is not optional. We talked about how important it was for us to have a relationship with God that was dynamic, that was alive. And that just as God became man and dwelt with us, taking on the form and likeness of a human being, he was relevant to the people of his culture, spoke the language, connected with the people that we also are supposed to be relevant to the culture that we're in. It's kind of funny, the past week I had a lady from the Daily Bulletin, Linda Baker, call me to ask if we were going to continue and put an ad in for Christmas. And she said, and you have to understand her voice, she just has, I don't know, I've never met her in person, I've only talked to her. And she always talks kind of nasally to me, I hope she never <laughs> hears this. Um, <laughs> But she said, you know, we always like your ads. They're always so different. Last Easter ad, boy, everyone was talking about it, that, you know, Grim Reaper there. That really caught everyone's attention. If you didn't see our Easter ad, you don't understand what I'm talking about. But as we put that ad together, and I know it was controversial for some people, it was a picture of the Grim Reaper holding up his sickle to the risen Jesus. And I had one comment that was expressed, and it said, I don't like it, he looks too, Jesus looks too Muslim. <laughs> Just think about that. What does Jesus look like? Jesus was relevant to the culture. Again, he probably was dark brown. He probably looked more what they would consider Muslim than what we would consider Swedish, which is kind of what all our Jesuses seem to look like. And so relevance to culture is not optional. It's important that we understand that. And today we're going to have our final core value, and it is the metaphor of earth, and it has to do with character. Creativity is the natural result of spirituality. Open to Matthew chapter 13. As we're using this metaphor of earth, it's only fitting that we would use this passage as Jesus gives a parable that we are familiar with. And we're going to start at verse 18 to get the meaning of the parable. And Jesus says, if you need a, a copy of the scriptures, raise your hand and we'll get one to you. Preston, since you're there, you're elected. Starting at verse 18, Jesus said, Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word but the worries of this life 
and the deceitfulness of wealth choke out choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. As Jesus gives this parable, he tells us that the type of soil is directly connected to what each field produces. And the soil, he tells us in verse 19, represents the heart. And what Jesus is saying is that the type of person you are, in other words, your character, is going to determine what your life produces. And you see, when we use words like creativity, you know, is the natural result of spirituality, I know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking, I'm not creative. You should have seen me in fifth grade when we had to do that picture. The teacher looked at mine and said, what is it? And it was supposed to be a tree or something like that. It was simple, but I could not do it. And so we have in our mind this idea of creativity is something maybe that we're not. But we, we are creative. We all produce something. We all create something. And maybe it's not in the form of art or in the form of music, but we do create opportunities. It's funny if you talk to some people and say, I'm not creative. And then they put on something like a baby shower. And you're like, oh my gosh, the things you thought of for this baby shower, I never would have thought of. I didn't know those little diaper games existed. And there is opportunity for creativity to show up in so many ways. And when I asked you this morning about something that made you feel alive, usually it involves something that was either producing or given to you as a production of some type of creativity, a surprise party that was thrown for you. Something that you did, an achievement that you had, you won the spelling bee, not me, but maybe you did. And it made you feel good about that opportunity to shine. And we always think of those things as bragging, but sometimes those are opportunities where we're actually being creative. And they could be silly things. I remember years ago, I was putting on various concerts at various high schools for this big production that we were going to do. And so we'd go to the schools and we'd hand out flyers. But if you've ever been to a high school and tried to hand anything out, high school kids are too cool for anybody. If you're in high school, you know what I mean, because you're here saying, yeah, that's right. <laughs> you're emotionless right now, and you're just sitting there saying, impress me. And so what I thought of is, you know what we can do? We can dress up like a big chicken. <laughs> well, and I used the royal we because I had someone else do it. And so we got a giant chicken suit, and we went in front of the high school and you would be amazed at how many people came to get the flyers from a giant chicken. <laughs> the depth of my creativity. But we all have these ideas of creative... In other words, our lives produce something. And Jesus in this parable is talking about the condition of your heart. The core of who you are is where these things are going to be produced from. And that's why so many times in Scripture, 
it talks about the heart. To trust in the Lord with all your heart. Because it's from this place that we actually produce and are creative in different ways. Jesus talked about this again in chapter 12, verse 33 and 35, and another parable that he gave. Jesus said, make a tree good and its fruit will be good, or make a tree bad and its fruit will be bad, for a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of? A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him, and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. And so what Jesus is saying, whatever is in you, whatever is at the core of who you are, that's what is going to be seen. That's what your life produces. And if the core of who you are is evil, guess what? That's what's going to be seen. That's what your life is going to produce. And what we try and do so many times is control the things that influence our life. We think, oh, if I could just fix these circumstances, then I could fix my life, not recognizing that really what our lives are about is what we really are. Have you ever met someone who is lonely and they think, oh, if I just got married, then I wouldn't be lonely anymore. And so you have someone who's lonely and broken and they get married and you find out that they're now a married, lonely, broken person. That they just brought who they were into this marriage and it didn't change who they were. Because you take who you are wherever you go. I know that sounds silly and it sounds obvious, but for some reason we think, well, if I could just change my job, I would be happy. If I could just lose weight, I would be happy. If I could, and you fill in the blanks, just change these outward things, then I would be a different person. And you don't realize that who you are is actually what produces the things in your life that matter. And changing all the outward things so many times is just like putting lipstick on a pig. Still a pig. And we put our effort into these other things, hoping that it'll change what's going on. And Jesus says, no, it's the core of who you are. It's your character that changes the things that happen in your life. And we need to recognize that because if we keep putting our focus on the external things, we never really deal with the internal things. And if you want to see good things come out of your life, what needs to change is not circumstances, but you. And for some reason, that's the last thing we want to deal with. It's easier to deal with all the other things. Our lives bring out what is actually stored in them. And we see this time and time again throughout Scripture. There's another Proverb, Proverbs 4.23, it says, Above all else, guard your hearts, for everything you do flows from it. Another translation says, from it is the well, For it is the wellspring of life. I like that. It's very poetic. Guard your heart, for 
It is the wellspring. From it flows the things of your life. Now, we always focus on the negative part of that. Guard your heart. And it's, you know, be careful what you watch. Be careful what music you listen to. Be careful the people you hang out with. Sound like I've been a parent. You know, right? this, is, this is the things we always say. And there's a reason we say those things. It's because they're true. But there's so much more involved with that. I mean, think of other things that we need to guard our hearts from. How about bitterness? How about being greedy or selfish? Self-centeredness. How about anger? What happens when you become bitter? What does your life start to produce? It's pretty bitter. Have you ever talked to someone who's really bitter about a situation and that's all they want to talk about? It consumes them and then it consumes the conversation because they are so focused on this event, this person who did me wrong, this situation, and pretty soon that just poisons the well. And out of their well just comes out this poison. But you see, there's more than just the negative aspect of this. It's, it's about... Those things that are in us, that's what comes out of us. And so it doesn't matter if you have a skill or a trade, if you become an expert in literature, math, or language. You see, all those things are going to be tainted by who you are. No matter what you do, it's filtered through the core of what you're doing. And so the proverb Solomon writes, you've got to guard your heart. Because what your life is going to produce is going to come through this well. And it doesn't matter what it is, everything comes through this. Not just your, quote, religious life, but everything about your life. And so what you bring into every relationship comes through this well of your heart. And so how that looks and what you do with the core of who you are is so important to where your life is going to go and to the fruit your life is going to produce. And so we are cautioned, we are to guard these things. These things shape us. Everything we do flows from this. And if everything that we do is tainted by the core of who we are, then it can be tainted for good or it can be tainted for the bad. And it's up to us to determine how this is going to come out, how we are going to allow our lives to be shaped. While couple days ago, I was really tired. And that's usually a precursor to an excuse, okay? And Corrine and I were talking, and I just started, I was just really short with her, and just kind of, my responses were just very not good, kind of rude. <laughs> She's shaking her head, yes. 
And I remember thinking, you know, oh man, part of me thinks, I don't know, I don't know what came over me. You know, I mean, gosh, what got into me? But you know, the truth is, I'm more afraid of what came out of me. See, what was there was there. And all it took was me putting my guard down and then it shows up. And that's the scary thing, is those things that come out of us, they're actually already in us. Just a minute of weakness when our our guard was down, they showed up. And then you get to see, oh, this is really part of who you are. And it just showed up. And that's kind of ugly and that's kind of scary. And that's terrifying, especially when you react to someone who you love and care about in such a, a way that's hurtful. And you think, why would I say that? Because that's happening inside of you. And you see, the soil of your heart, the, the earth of who you are, determines how things show up. And when those things happen, it's opportunity for you to kind of search your heart and see what wicked things might be there and and deal with them and try and shape your life differently so that you become the kind of person you want to be. And I guess that's the question. Who do you want to be? What kind of man, what kind of woman do you want to be? And what are you doing to make yourself that type of person? How are you investing yourself? There comes a place when we have to take a stand and say, you know what, I'm, I'm going to guard my heart and I'm going to say no to those things that are poisoning me. I just need to stop and say, not anymore. Because I don't like who I'm becoming. I don't like what it's doing to me. I don't like the fruit that my life is bearing. It's no longer what I want it to be. And so I have to make the changes so that that changes. Turn to Matthew chapter 5, another parable. Actually, that last one wasn't a parable, but this one is. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 14. This is Jesus' words. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. Now, I already know what's going on. Some of your minds are reframing this. And you're saying, no, Jesus is the light of the world. You can argue with Jesus later. Okay? This is what Jesus is saying. You are the light of the world. No, I'm just a moon. I just reflect the light. It's not what he's saying. He's saying you are the light of the world. It goes on. It gets worse or better, depending on your frame of mind here. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it 
on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house in the same way. Let Jesus' light shine before others. Is that what it says? What does it say? Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We have a hard time recognizing that there are actually things that are produced from our lives, that we are actually creative beings in God's image, that we are generative, that we generate things from our lives. We, we like to, to put that responsibility all on God. Oh, no, it's not me. It's all God. Have you ever heard that? People have told me that sometimes when they've like played me a song that they wrote. Oh no, it's not me, it's God. I'm thinking, no way. God doesn't write things that bad. You know, that was that was you. <laughs> don't don't blame your lack of talent on God. You know, but if it's something good, oh no, it's not me, it's God. But you see, your life produces something, and it produces something either good or it produces something evil. Own it. It's not that I'm, yes, look how good I am. It's like your life produces something it was meant to. You are meant to be the light of the world. Your life is meant to produce 160, 30-fold. Your life is meant to produce something good. The core of who you are, as God gets a hold of you, is meant to produce good through you. You are the light of the world. And if you're not, it's not God's fault. This is up to you. This is our responsibility. And I, I know the other scriptures that come to mind. Oh, there is none righteous, no, not one. Oh, the heart is deceitful and wicked. I know those scriptures, but we have been lied to and given a theology based on a few verses out of context most of the time, those things are true, but it doesn't change the fact that God has put something in you that is to be the light, your light to the world. Not just his light to the world, you are the light of the world. You are to produce something. Your life has purpose. There was a young girl named Rachel, I forget her last name, she wanted to raise money for people who were in other countries who couldn't have water. And so she put for her birthday, Charity Water has this thing where you can sign up and you can donate money for the cause for your birthday. And Rachel wanted to raise $300. That was her goal. And she raised 220 some dollars and she was like, okay, well, I didn't quite reach $100, but that's what she wanted to produce. This is what she was thinking, this nine-year-old. This is something that made her alive that she wanted to do. Me, it was a trophy, okay, <laughs> on the Little League. Rachel's producing money to feed, you know, bring clean water to people who didn't have it. They were in a tragic car accident. The family was in the accident, and Rachel was the only one who was critically injured and didn't survive. And as word of this came around and the people heard that Rachel's desire was to raise money for this organization, people started giving money to this cause. 
And pretty soon they raised $40,000. And pretty soon they raised over $40,000, which is more than Justin Bieber raised. You know, And the parents talked about that because she secretly liked him. I guess girls do. And, and then she raised over $500,000. And Rachel ended up raising over a million dollars for charity. This nine-year-old girl's life produced over a million dollars because she cared about something because that was what she wanted to do. It was her desire. It was at the core of her being. She produced good works that gave glory to God in heaven. Her family gives glory for what God has done because her daughter cared. You see, the core of what she was was a light to the world. It's what she wanted to do. And what she did made a difference. What you do can make a difference, for good or for bad. Your life is producing something. Some of our lives are are being choked up by the cares of the world or wanting riches. Some of our lives are being choked up by our fears and the things we have no depth of root. And some of our lives... The soil is good. And God is able to produce good in it. And we tend to take that parable and say, well, that's Christians and non-Christians, but that's really not the context. It's people. It's us. And so when Jesus says, you are the light of the world, don't pawn that off. That's responsibility. That's ours to own. And our good works are to produce something. It takes nothing away from God's glory. God isn't like, you're the light of the world. Oh no, I'm supposed to be the light of the world. He doesn't have no identity crisis. He's not battling over, what if you're too bright of a light? He's not worried about it, believe me. It's not taking anything away from God's glory when he says, you are the light of the world. That's what Jesus said. And throughout the scriptures, God is telling us these things. Guard your hearts, for in it flows life. And we keep trying to find life when we recognize that it is something that is given to us. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life. And that's a strange thing to tell people who think they're alive. I'm alive. No, I've come that you might have life. No, look it, I've got a pulse. Yeah, I know. But I've come that you might have life. And you might have it in abundance. And so there's a quality of life that Jesus wants to give us. I think... Sometimes when we hear things like, you are the light of the world, the stark reality of how you're living is contrasted and you feel like, no, I'm not. I I don't feel like the light of the world. Actually, I don't think there's much but darkness in me. You don't know the things that I think. You don't know the things that I do. and, And maybe you're at a place where that phrase just doesn't seem to fit you. 
I have a feeling there's a lot of us that can feel that way. Before we did the remodel in our house, we had a furnace that was in the closet, a water heater in the furnace. And when we'd get into those just freezing California winters that get below, you know, 50 degrees. <laughs> and everyone would be freezing and say, well, turn on the heater, and the heater wouldn't go on. And you'd go there, and you'd have to open the cover and see, well, the pilot light blew out. This is just this little flame, and you'd have to press the red button, and you have to turn it a certain way. You guys know what I'm talking about, and you have to hold it, and then you have to put the matches there, because we didn't have those other kind of, I didn't have a lighter, so I'm having a match, and I'm just waiting for it to catch, waiting for it to catch, and then soup, this little light, just this little light, and you got to hold it like for 30 seconds or something. I never read the instructions all the way through. I got bored about halfway, okay, well, I'll try this. <laughs> So I'd sit there, and then, okay, I think this is it. And then finally, whoosh, and then it would go, whoosh, that wonderful sound. And then, whoosh, and pretty soon the house gets nice and toasty. That little pilot light, without that, the house wouldn't be warm. And maybe, just maybe, what has to happen is you need to be reignited. See, God's not asking you to be the sun. He's asking you to be a light. And maybe he just needs to take you right where you're at and he has to ignite you. He has to flame your heart again. You have to come to a place where you just say, okay, I need to be reignited. Because where you are and where you face and the direction you want to go is going to determine the person you're going to be. And all of us are soil of some kind. All of us are meant to be creative beings doesn't mean you have to dance, doesn't mean you can do art, doesn't mean creativity means you're creating life around you of some sort, either good or bad. You're producing something. And it is natural for a person who is filled with the life of God to be creative, to produce something, to produce fruit of some sort for your life to have some effect on the lives around you. Creativity, it's the natural result of spirituality. It is what happens when we abide in the vine, John 15, and he abides in us and we produce fruit. Because that's the core of who you are. This is your character. This is your life. Are you living it the way you want to be? Are you living the life that you really want?
If not, then you need to be reignited. And I know just the person to do it. The one who says, I've come that you might have life. Oh, I know you're living, but you need to have life. And if you will just abide in me and allow my truth, my words to abide in you, then, oh, your life is going to produce more than you can imagine. You can be a nine-year-old girl and you will raise a million dollars just because you care. You might be a 50-year-old man and you will change the life of another person just because you care. You might be a 30, you fill in the blanks. Who you are can make a difference. Your life is meant to be the light of the world. You are meant to be the light of the world. Those are Jesus' words and they challenge us because they challenge the core of who we are. They make us say, but I'm not, but I'm not. He says, so what are you going to do? What are you going to do? You're going to sit there and complain? You're going to continue to let it become bitter? You're going to make up excuses because who you really are isn't who you want to be? Or are you going to allow God to change you so that you can be not only who he wants you to be, but who you want to be. And if that's the case, then there is that simple invitation of Jesus. Ask. For whoever asks, receives. Whoever seeks, finds. Whoever knocks, the door will be open to you. And it's that simple. And God is constantly Searching our hearts, our character, the core of who we are. He is constantly revealing to us whether that light is ignited or whether the pilot light has gone out. Because all it would take was a little wind, a windy day, and the light was gone. Some difficulty comes out, the light is gone. You have to go back in there with the matches and start lighting it up. Maybe this morning is the time where you just need to reignite that flame. This is the core of who we are. We expect creativity, fruit to come from spirituality. Those who are in relationship with God are to be the light of the world, are to produce a hundred, sixty, and thirtyfold. That's the natural result of someone who is abiding with Christ. And so it's our litmus test. See, is that the case with us? Let's pray. Lord, I know so many people, I shouldn't say so many, I know a lot of people, too many, who are filled with information about the Bible but are jerks that treat people awful, that do awful things. Lord, I I know in my own heart that I have been aware of what is true but have not made a stand for it at times and have allowed just darkness to creep its way into my life. 
so that who I really am, the character of my being, is not what it should be. And Father, you know us. You search our hearts. You know if there is anything good or not in us. And Lord, you are giving us opportunity. You always have. You've you've placed before us choices. And you tell us, choose life that you might live. Give us opportunities so that for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And Lord, right now, there, there are choices before us. And we need to make a stand and determine what we are going to yield ourselves to, what kind of men, women we are going to be. If we are going to play games, play religion, or if character matters. If we are going to allow our lives to actually produce good around us, actually be conduits for you that people will see life in us because you have made us alive and then our lights can shine then we can be the light to the world and so I pray Lord that you would ignite our hearts with your flame that we would have that light within us and that we would be the light of the world. That we would produce 160, 30. That we would be good trees producing good fruit. That we would guard our hearts from, from it is the wellspring of life. May people be refreshed with the life we are able to give because we have been given life by you. Thank you for this time, Lord. Bless, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.